On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder at the All-Star break, answering your mailbag questions. Trey Mann and Vasily Micic playing so well for Charlotte. Does it matter? Should you overreact? What does it all mean? Plus, rotations and more. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, me member, and inside the Thunder.com beat writer, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunderpod. Email the show, LO Thunderpod at gmail.com. Well, today's show is your show. It's a mailbag podcast. We're going to answer all of your questions about the Thunder and about uh, just life in general in some cases. We're also going to preview MLB All-Star Weekend, where God willing, I'll be at, should we survive the uh, the 10-hour trek up to Indianapolis, Indiana. Very excited for that. Cannot wait for it. Going to be a lot of great content, hopefully coming out uh, with YouTube shorts, which was really, really big for us last year during this time uh, on Twitter, especially at Ryland underscore styles and also uh, on inside the thunder.com. Plus we're going to be around a really lot of cool people there, boots on the ground coverage there. So uh, who knows what we might get into with all the cool people hanging out at all-star weekend, but we're going to answer your questions today, especially to start the show. And Charles Cohen asks a question that launches us into what I think is a much uh, needed conversation. And he says that if you're an OKC fan, how can you not root for Trey and Michich? This is a question that I'm, again, using to springboard into a separate conversation. Yes, you should absolutely be rooting for Vasily Michich and Trey Mann. Uh, and if you want to, Davos Bertans too. Uh, Davos Bertans, you know, you want to see them succeed. The team wants to see them succeed. Everybody wants to see those two guys have success at their next stop. What you shouldn't do is you shouldn't overreact to what we're seeing. Now, I've been a massive proponent of playing Trey Mann more minutes. I've talked the entire season about how much he's gotten better from watching him at practices to uh, watching his garbage time minutes and overanalyzing the garbage time minutes because that's what we do. We break down the, the blowout games. We break down the G League games. We break down all of it. So, you know, I've been a huge proponent of playing Trey Mann, but the bottom line is the Thunder didn't see it that way and the Thunder didn't, didn't agree with that. So Trey Mann... Well, he's had an amazing three-game stretch in Charlotte, and I hope that that continues because the vibes in Charlotte are spectacular. The Hornets are fun to watch for the first time since the Polk administration. Like, this is awesome for Charlotte. It's awesome for Trey Mann, who has had many supporters inside the NBA, inside of Oklahoma City. I mean, Damian Lillard uh, has, has crowned him as one of the guys who is going to pop at his next destination. That's looking, you know, really good right now, that prediction is. But – do not go too far with the reaction to Trey Mann playing so well because it was never going to happen in Oklahoma City. Right, wrong, or indifferent, the Thunder were not going to play Trey Mann. That became increasingly obvious over this season. They don't view him 
as a fit for their style of basketball. There's no other way to put it. Like there's no other, you know, excuses to make or, or company lines to give. They clearly don't, don't view him as a player who could fit inside of this construct. They view him as a great person, a great teammate, you know, a, a good individual basketball player. It's just not the right fit. It's not you. It's me type of thing in Oklahoma City. But make no mistake, everybody knew that he was capable of this. It's why that he had so many supporters in this team, in this town, and across the NBA. But it was never going to happen in Oklahoma City. So on one aspect of it, it's a case where you just have to say, you know, continue to root for Trey Mann, but it's best for both sides that this happened. It's best for Trey Mann because look what he's doing now that he's starting and playing actual consistent minutes. He got exactly what he needed out of the trade deadline. And it's good for Oklahoma City, who isn't going to reap the rewards of this transaction until at the earliest, that Clippers game next week. But they improve their roster with a player who they think can fit their system and they at least will put into basketball games. So it's great that Trey Mann's you know, lighting it up. It's good that that Mitrich looks looks you know good, and really Mitrich looks the same he did in Oklahoma City uh, in, in the month of January, only he's, he's doing it for Charlotte now. But uh, he was another guy who you have severe question marks of if, you know, he could play at the NBA level in the postseason, given uh, defensively especially, and if the shots aren't falling, uh, could he play in the postseason? You get a guy in Gordon Hayward who you just feel much more comfortable can play in the postseason. In the meantime, everybody else gets their, um, you know, win-win scenario. Mitrich gets consistent minutes to to adapt to the NBA. Trey Mann gets consistent minutes to show that he is a really legitimately good NBA player. Um, and, you know, I don't want to go too far with the three-game sample size. I don't think that he's a, you know, a, a for sure starter on a good team necessarily, but I think that he is um, a, a really good rotational player at the, at the minimum uh, and, and could be a really high-end swing starter. And that's a term used a lot in baseball, but like a really good player who – uh, you know, like a, like a dentist type, if you want to go there with Dennis Schroeder, like you, you love to have him as your sixth man, you know, leading that secondary group as, as a lead guard. And if you run into some injury luck, like, you know, an injury bad luck, like he's going to be someone who you don't feel like it's all doom and gloom if you have to thrust him in the starting lineup. I think that that's what he can become. He's got a long ways to go. There's only three games, but I can, I can, you know, since the comparison sake or, or since the, Oh, did the Thunder make the wrong decision here thing? And what it comes down to is you've got to judge the Thunder's decision at the time of the trade and with the context of what would have happened. So there's one reality where the Thunder don't make that trade and they keep Trey Mann, they keep Micic, they keep Thomas Bertans. And those guys continue to not play. In the playoffs, they are a non-factor and the Thunder do not play them at all. They don't get to pop off. They don't get to show that they're NBA players, and the Thunder don't get additions to this roster. On the other hand, they made the trade where go go prove yourself, Trey Man. Go prove yourself, Mitchell. They're all rooting for you, but the Thunder get a player in return who they feel way more confident can play for them. And so you've got to judge it in that aspect versus just, oh, look, Trey Man had a really great game in the box score and a really great game you know, watching him play, and, and he did all those electric scoring things that everyone knew he could. The biggest thing for Trey Man is that the defense – uh, to this point, has truly improved. Like like I pointed this out in the Houston game, whenever he got in his only game for the Thunder this year in non-garbage time, where he looked really good defensively. And I asked Mark about that 
uh, at, at practice the next day of how much better he looked defensively against Houston. And Mark agreed that like he's made a step defensively. And to see it translate to these three games where he's playing uh, you know, starting games and he's and he's still playing better defense. That's a vastly encouraging sign for this being like repeatable and actually this being not some just flash in the pan stretch. His improved playmaking has carried over from garbage time. It's all been repeatable from what he's seen in garbage time. He's just getting a longer leash to show it. And we all knew that that was going to be the case. At least if you listen to Locked on Thunder, you did. So again, it's great for them, root for them, but also judge the trade in the context that it's meant to be judged in. Because right, wrong, or indifferent, those guys were never, you know, Trey Mann specifically, was never going to play this way in Oklahoma City because he wasn't going to get to play. Like, he wasn't going to get to play. The Thunder aren't going to run the same style. Uh, it just was not going to work out. So hopefully for him, uh, he continues this. I think he will. I think that he'll that you'll look back at Trey Mann and, and see that he's an incredibly valuable player in the NBA. But there's also other incredibly valuable players in the NBA who would not perform the way that they're performing right now in Oklahoma City for this team, for this style of play, for this coach. And sometimes there just aren't you know, great marriages. This was a case where it wasn't a good marriage. This was a case where you need a divorce, right? Still love each other. Still love each other. St- still going to talk. Still going to be friends. But give the ring back and move on. You know, put the pictures away. Wonder where you've been. I could really do some Cheryl Crow right now, but I'll save your eardrums. I can't promise that there won't be singing in the future of this show. Uh, Friday, uh, Wednesday, I should say, was a much, much heavy music show. Uh, but at least for now, I'll save you. I'll spare you. Now, All-Star Weekend, little, little Mickey Ultras, Lockdown Karaoke might happen. But it won't happen this segment. It could happen next segment. You'll have to wait to find out. Speaking of, we're going to answer more of your questions in the next segment. But first, I want to say right now, better good friends over at eBay Motors. They're great. Check out eBay Motors because guess what, folks? They're partnering with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to get you right the fantasy pick of the week all season long. Whether you're a daily fantasy draft player or scouting the waiver wire, each week for your season-long league, they're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. So let's see who Josh Lloyd has picked out for the eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Pick of the Week. Marvin Bagley, Azar Thompson, Taylor Hendricks, Cody Martin, and Benedict Matherin are the players from Josh Lloyd's list. I look around at this list and I wonder about Taylor Hendricks because the Utah Jazz are one of the things I'm watching for as this season continues. What direction do they want to take? After trading Fancazi, after trading, uh, you know, Kelly Olenek, Taylor Hendricks, who they invested a top 10 pick into, should be getting more opportunity, should be getting more uh, usage. And in fantasy basketball, especially depending on how your league is scored, that could be enough for you to go sneak in and grab Hendricks on the waiver wire uh, while everyone else is napping during an all-star break and all-star weekend uh, and really help you down the stretch run. So Josh Lloyd is host of Lockdown Fantasy Basketball. He's going to help you build your fantasy championship team. eBay Motors is going to help you build your championship car with each and every player and part guaranteed to fit your roster. Um, eBay Motors guaranteed fit is awesome. I don't know a single thing about cars. I don't have to, though. What I have to know 
is my make, my model, my year. That's simple. Even a podcaster can do it. So if you know your make, your model, your year, and if you don't, you can just go outside and look it up. Then you put that in and you get all the parts that will guaranteed to fit your car from eBay Motors with over 122 million parts to choose from. It's your number one ride or die. They make sure your ride stays running smooth with brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, and whatever else your baby needs. eBay Motors has it all for you. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride on the first try every time or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're going to be burning rubber, not quiche. Go there right now to get your ride or die uh, and keep it alive at ebaymotors.com. That's eBay's guaranteed fit, only available for U.S. customers. Eller's Bottoms only and exclusions do apply. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. This is your mailbag podcast. Plus, we're going to preview All-Star Weekend. But let's talk from OKC underscore BR hoops. They say, what are the chances and fit of Cody Williams on the Thunder? So I just wrote about Cody Williams on draftdigest.com. I uh, also tweeted out the link to the article. You can go and uh, read about him. I love Cody Williams. I think that with a larger sample size, you know, as long as he can play on the stretch, he's had some, you know, injury history uh, this, this season for Colorado. Uh, as long as he can play on the stretch of this year, and especially at the draft combine, I think that he will separate himself from this class, you know, and, and draft combine use loosely, you know, players in his range sometimes don't participate in the draft combine, especially not fully, but as a, as a catch-all term for, pre-draft workouts and interviews, I think that he will really climb and separate himself from the top of this draft because, you know, this draft class, make no mistake about it, it's not a good draft class at all. Um, it, you know, it's 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 tough to imagine with how global the game is, with, you know, how, how talented players are, that it's as bad and as dire as it seems on the surface. It's going to take a lot of work to find the players and what would doom what will doom this draft class in totality, like as an overall entity, will be how impatient franchises are and how a lot of franchises are not set up the way that the Thunder are. The, the Thunder are set up perfectly for development at the G League level, but they're one of the only few teams who truly um understand how valuable the G League is. And Mark talked about how, like, even internally, even inside the NBA, that the G League can be an invisible league, even inside the NBA walls. Without that structure and that and that kind of uh, facilitation for development, a lot of these prospects are going to go the way of the dodo bird. A lot of these prospects who need time in an impatient microwave NBA will go the way of the glass bottle milk. It'll be over. So that is against the draft class. The draft class is not strong at the top. Like there's no Zion, Cade Cunningham, Paula Bencaro, Chet Holmgren. There's none of those guys in this draft. Victor, there's none of these guys in this draft. So it loses its its appeal because of that for, for the majority of the uh, NBA and basketball audience. There is no just hit your wagon to bona fide star. And there is no, oh, this is going to be the next so-and-so superstar. But I also just cannot get around to, there's not a, there's not a single good player here. And of course, that's a little bit disingenuous, but there's not, there's not, 60 good players in the world who are eligible for the draft in 2024. You know, so I don't think it's as bad as people say, 
but it is bad, especially relative to what we're what we've seen to this point in the last couple of drafts and what we're going to see in 25 and 26 and all the way out. I mean, there's high schoolers who, if, if they were eligible for this draft, you know, they, they would, they would go top five. They'd go, you know, number one, of course, if you're Cooper flag, but back to Cody Williams, I think he's the best player in this draft. Uh, you know, I've, I've been back and forth with him and Alex Saar. conveniently enough, both of them brothers on the thunder. Uh, but Cody Williams just has everything you could look for from a player. And when you watch him, he understands how to use his frame on both ends of the floor. Defensively, go watch him blow up screens. He Guys are shooting 0 for 10 against Cody Williams on defense whenever they're shooting off of screens. That's a low sample size, only 10 shots. But it's not as though there are 10 shots where, oh, the shot just didn't go in. There are 10 shots because he understands how to anticipate screens and get over them. He has the length to, to disrupt your open looks. And he just deters shots as a, as a jump shooter, which is good. And it's a hard skill to have. Defensively, he's versatile, can switch. He runs the floor insanely well. Uh, he has a little bit of playmaking feel, but his ability to create for his, you know the shot for himself is already there. Uh, his dribbling can get high at times a little bit. But what's good about him is that he can flip the switch really quickly. Of if, if a defender is coming up on him, he's able to get lower to the ground and, and knife through the defense. You might run into a problem where like if you can't see the defense and thus anticipate it, you might be able to pick his pocket a little bit smoother. His jump shot is slow. However, the release point is so high that I, I have trouble believing that it'll be a problem in the NBA because it's not as though it's like Kyle Anderson slow. Obviously, there's no real hitch to it. It's just not the most lightning quick thing in the world. And because his release point is so high, he's going to be able to shoot over the top of defenders and they're not going to be able to block him. So I don't really have a problem with it. And like I said, he's really good in the rim uh, at the rim. And if he can... Uh, continue to grow in the mid-range, and he's been a really good pick-and-roll ball handler to this point. If he can carry over those things to the NBA, he's a guy who um, I don't think has superstar written all over him. I'm not sure that he'll make an all-star team, but he's a guy who will be in the Hall of Very Good, uh, where like you just know he's a very good player, but um, might not get those accolades. Not to put a ceiling on him, because I think that he could get there. And I'll tell you this, if I was going to hitch my wagon to somebody to get there, You'd got to, you'd have to put Cody, you know, in the upper echelon of that conversation. Uh, but he can be an offensive engine for a team while playing, you know, top being a top two, three defender on your team. There's not many, if any, other players in this draft that I would say that about. So I think that he has a chance to separate himself from the draft class where he's just not even in the realm of possibility for the Thunder at their current selections. Now there's always the talk about. Uh, giving away this Godfather offer and uh, and trading up in the draft and oh Sam Presti he can he can go trade for any player that he wants to we've been doing this for a long time uh, about this whole you know Godfather offer in the draft the bottom line is the the draft trades specifically are less about like overwhelming teams with draft picks and more about can I get my guy still while you get your guy and that becomes harder and harder uh, as the draft gets set. You look back at the Cade Cunningham draft. You look back at, um, you know, the the Josh Giddy draft, uh, which was the Cade Cunningham draft. I apologize for being an idiot. Um, but, you know, the Thunder fell to six, which is the worst possible spot because there was a viewed as a four-player draft after, after the Kaminga stuff cooled off. And you could not guarantee any of those, of those people that they'd get their guy. If Detroit goes from one to six, they're not getting their guy. 
If Houston goes from, from two to six, they're not getting their guy and so on and so forth. Now, where you make draft day deals is in Atlanta and Dallas. Atlanta, their guy was Trey Young. They understood they couldn't take Trey Young at three, but they could take him at five and it would be reasonable while picking up additional asset. And the Mavs, their guy was always, always, always Luka Doncic. So they were able to go make a trade for him. So that's where draft day trades are made. So it sounds great to just, you know, say that the Thunder can make a godfather offer for anybody else, you know, anybody they want to, uh, and especially in the draft, you know, come draft time. But the fall from one to 10, you're not getting your guy. You're not getting uh, those prospects who you've circled. The argument for this draft class specifically, and I don't think that Cody Williams will for sure go one. That's just kind of a ball, you know, where I would have him personally. The, The argument for this draft class specifically is, if the Thunder viewed Cody Williams as just this perfect, incredible fit that they wanted to give up multiple picks, would it be worth in a draft class where you know you're not you're not just over the moon soul on anyone specifically, and there's not just this uh, massive star out there taking a guy you like, right? Taking a guy that you're fine with or above fine with for the sake of getting additional capital in draft classes that you know project to be much better. So that is something you have to wait to. Uh, but overall, I don't think that, you know, as much as it'd be fun, it'd be incredibly fun. I think that Cody Williams has played so well that he'll not be in the Thunder draft range. And draft day trades are hard. Even though they have a billion first round picks and a billion uh, picks in general, draft day trades are still very hard to climb the ladder that far. Now, if my evaluation is wrong, which it could be, uh, that, that, that Cody Williams will go in the top five, then it becomes more realistic because again, in, in a draft where there's no consensus board, the evaluations of these guys can be all over the place. The evaluation of these guys can be um, every team has a different board and some guys top 10 player, like a top 10 player on some guys draft board might be undraftable on other, on other teams. That's how volatile I think that this draft will be. So if Cody Williams ends up nestling around that, you know, eight to, to you know 15 draft range, and that's where he stays consistently even after the combat, even after the first rounds of a workouts and interviews, then it becomes more realistic. So it's really going to come down to where his draft range is at. For me personally, if I win this draft class, his draft range should be unobtainable for OKC. Um, but you never know. I've been wrong many times before. Shout out Darius Baisley, who I'm going to get to see this weekend, uh, which we're going to talk about more coming up at the, uh, at the G League next up game. Now, there's been questions about the role. For Bismack Biombo and Gordon Hayward. So I want to give a shout out to Retro Dash, who asked uh, that question. And also a shout out to LRB Witcher and also Kev Fluffle, who all asked about Bismack Biombo and Gordon Hayward um, with this team. Um, Kev Fluffle asked a more uh, overarching question, which we're going to get to you know later. But uh, you two specifically asked about you know their rotations for the Thunder. Me and Michael Martin talked about that a lot on Thursday, so we can let that conversation speak for itself. But I do think that for Gordon Hayward, he'll have a, a huge role come playoff time. Uh, he could be in closing lineups for the Thunder. He is cer- he certainly will be one of the best Thunder bench scores, especially in those in those uh, quarters of the second and fourth quarter for OKC. So you know, start of the fourth quarter for OKC. So I think he'll have a huge role. Now, Biznak Biombo, I think that he's a player who uh, is a break glass in case of emergency, in the sense of if there's a matchup where they're overwhelming you with size and you have to do something, you now can. 
Whereas before the addition of Bismarck and Biombo, if they were just overwhelming with size, you would just throw your hands up and say, well, kind of tough. There's not much we can do here, right? So you at least now have the option. And I know that he's only 6'8", but you have to look into uh, the wingspan and the weight of him where he's he's a big man. Like he's a traditional big man, even though he's technically uh, only 6'8". So I, I think the Piambo uh, will factor in less. I don't think there'll be a fixture of the rotation, but I think that he could, uh, in certain matchups, play over a guy like Jay Will because he just might be more advantageous than him uh, in those uh, spots, especially as a veteran who you know, played playoff basketball a year ago, which sounds absurd, you know, not, not too long ago. Uh, but th- that's that's where we're at on him. Again, we had a much longer conversation about those two guys specifically in the rotation yesterday with Michael Martin, which I want you to go back and listen to if you have not already. Uh, but Kev Fluffle said, with the addition of Biombo and Hayward, along with the squad overachieving this season, uh, Presti may still be downplaying the expectations, but do these deadline moves hint at a push for something important in the postseason? Um these deadline moves did improve their case for the postseason. It did improve how how good they can be this year because, again, you no longer have to throw your hands up at the size disparity. Uh, now, how often will they be overwhelmed by size? You know, I think that the raw rebounding numbers can get people confused with what's actually happening on the court uh, because at times, yes, they're getting just you know pounded in the raw rebounding numbers, but they're creating advantages elsewhere uh, where it's 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 you know, creating turnovers, it's getting deflections, it's playing faster than the other team in transition, it's 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 getting artificial transition. Even after made baskets, you're quicker down the floor than these bigger teams, uh, which helps you out a lot in that aspect too. You're, you're getting big men on islands in the perimeter. You're doing these things that other teams cannot and can't match with you. Uh, so you'll give up the rebounds for the sake of all those other aspects we just named. So how often will they get overwhelmed by big men? Who knows? But if you did, now you can actually... You know, have a counter for that with Bismack Biombo, and then Gordon Hayward uh, addresses what I think has been a bigger issue than um, you know the, the big man issue, which has been those scoring lulls you go through. When whenever you go back and look at those losses, well, it's easy to just you know throw your hands up and say, "Look at the rebounding numbers; it's over." When you really dig into the game, the multiple scoring droughts in a game, whenever you're not playing SGA and, and you have Jabe out there alone or Jabe not out there at all, those are what is what did those games in more so than the, than the glass numbers. It's easy, you know, to be an old man and look at the rebound column, but sometimes it's deeper than that. And most of the time it was deeper than that. Whenever a guy like Gordon Hayward could actually help more than just some bruising border uh, that you want. So uh, I think that both these guys tremendously help their efforts in the postseason as long as they're both healthy and, and of course can play. That's the case for any addition though, that they have to be healthy. Uh, now, if you meant postseason as in the summertime. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that if you're Sam Presti, and I think it's unfair to say that he's continuously downplayed the expectations. He hasn't talked since the, before the year. Uh, and I think that even then, you know, Sam Presti has been consistently open about letting this team play out and letting the results speak for themselves and letting the the conversation flow and, and the team flow however it may, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, and, and last year when the team was was trending in the right direction – he didn't just set the deadline to do nothing. He went and made the team better. Dario Saric made the team better last year. He got that team help. He got this team help. And in the summertime, yes, there's going to be um, you know, important conversations to be had. And, and the Thunder, I believe, will be opportunistic this offseason uh, with improving this roster. As they were at the deadline, they'll be that in the summertime because you know they have an MVP of this league. They have uh, you know two all-star caliber players flanking him that 
you have no choice in those scenarios but to be opportunistic about how to improve this roster. He'll have the flexibility to do so cap-wise. He'll have the draft assets to do so. And this idea that he has not been an aggressive GM is just flawed. It just comes from recency bias of um, you know what's happened the last few years. Remember, the Thunder didn't have a, a need or a chance to improve the roster because they weren't in that spot yet. Uh, and so I just, I, I want to caution, you know, whenever people keep saying that the, the, that Presti has downplayed this team, again, the team was under 500 last year. And if, if you said last May, whenever he said that, you know, they got to finish their breakfast, which is what a quote that people keep referring back to. If you said that last May, if you said that this year, the all-star break, the Thunder would be 20 games above 500 and would be the, and would be fighting for the top seed in the West. People would laugh you out of the room. So to, to hold him to a standard of like, oh, he should have went out last year and made a massive star trade before he even knew that this was possible is a bit asinine. And again, he did improve this roster with two big moves, you know, big-ish moves to, to improve this team, of course, um, just you know four days ago or whatever it was. Uh, so he has continuously improved this roster. I think it'll do so again in the summertime, and we'll have a lot to talk about on this show. So I hope that you'll subscribe and follow along with it. Coming up, we're going to talk All-Star Weekend and finish up this mailbag uh, podcast with more of your questions. But first, I want to tell you right now, our good friends over at Robinhood. Check out Robinhood, folks, because Robinhood is awesome. And did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you 3% boost to every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. So get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right. No cap on the 3% match. So check it out today. Robinhood Gold gives you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA and a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com boost. Subscribe and subscription fees do apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024, valid by uh, Radius Global Marketing Research, and investing involves risk of loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of the first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years, and the 3% matching on the transfers is subject to specific terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA is available for U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC, is registered uh, broker-dealer. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Let's continue on with your mailbag questions and um, preview All-Star Weekend. Craig says the Thunder are going to have real cap space, a few free agent targets this summer. Not a good free agency draft class. I'm sorry. That that was a terrible sentence. Not a good free agent class. Also not a good NBA draft class. Not a good free agent class this year. However, cap space, especially in the summertime, can be used for way more than just free agents. It is a massive trade ship. And anymore in the NBA, you look around at the biggest moves that happen each summer. You look around at the biggest stars changing hands, the super teams that form, and so on and so forth. It's via trade. It's not via just straight up uh, free agency signings. So I, I would look there more 
than free agency. But of course, there are some free agents who can really help this team. And it's a lot of the same names that you heard at the trade deadline. It's kind of why they were available for trade, like a Kelly Olynyk, for example, because uh, because they're you know impending free agents. And so you know he would be one that I would still be really encouraged in the Thunder signing um, this offseason. So again, not a great free agency class. I think that the the move you're looking for, which we're going to talk about a lot in the summertime, believe me, we say five days a week in the summertime, giving you Thunder content. So we're going to talk a lot about these potential moves um, would be more so in the trade market than free agency. But there are still some free agencies that we're going to dive into now that that could make sense for OKC. Uh, SSN New Jersey Devils, who should the Thunder target in the lottery? Um, I'll tell you a name I don't like is, is Ryan Dunn. I think that he plays fantastic defense. I don't think that he can survive in the NBA offensively, uh, even as great as his defense is. Uh, but I got to give him credit, though. He is one of the best defensive prospects we've seen in quite some time. Uh, I, I, I think back to, like, Matisse Thibel would be one of the only other draft prospects in the recent vintages that have jumped out the way that Dunn has defensively. Can you find the role for him offensively? I will say, Thunder specifically, when you have this developmental system like we talked about and you have Chip England in-house, and I, and I hate to put all that pressure on Chip England every time that every time that we look at a, at a player, we just go, well, Chip England can fix him. You know, he's not he's not a miracle worker, but he has a really good uh, shot doctor. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, Dunn could make sense for a team like the Thunder specifically where where, you know, he has an elite skill, which is defense, which is elite. Like it is truly going to be elite in the NBA. And you have the time. You're not racing against the clock. You don't got to put him into a, a, a massive role right away. You have the time to nurture an offensive role for him and nurture his offensive skill set. I think that that makes sense for Oklahoma City specifically, even though as a prospect overall, I have very much concerns about him. And you mentioned Dunn in this question, so I kind of wanted to highlight him. Uh, as far as other prospects, I love Johnny Furphy in this draft. I think that uh, by the time the draft combine ends, he'll be a consensus you know, first-round grade and I think that he should jump to the NBA right now. Uh, I get it. He's only a freshman. And, uh, you know, I think the goal coming into the year for Furphy was probably to go back to Kansas after the year. But given how bad this draft class is shaping up perception-wise and how good the the 25 and 26 drafts are shaping up, no better time than now to capitalize on this stock. I, I think that when you look at Furphy, you have a guy who has soft hands as a cutter who can who – can, uh, with his length can, can catch balls over the top of the defenses uh, and, and be a bad ball catcher in the pick and roll, which gives you more of a portfolio to score the basketball. I think that Kansas should use him more as a cutter. Cause I think that that can be a really elite skill for him. He has a very quick first step, especially because of his long strides and his ability to uh, use his body as a, as a shield to defenders uh, helps him gain leverage to score inside. And then, you know, he can do shooting the basketball. Like his free throw percentage is at 75%. That suggests that he can be, a, a, a good shooter. Plus you have a 38% three point shooter right now in college where the college game's harder. Uh, the spacing's different. Uh, and, and it's just harder for shooters in general. So I think that he's a really good play finisher. I think that he can be a, a good defender in the NBA. When I say good defender, he's not going to make all defensive ever. He's not going to be a point of attack defender, like a Lou Dort, like a, like a even case Wallace, but he can be the epitome of your fourth best defender where you don't want him like defending these mega stars, but you're also, whenever he gets called up into pick and roll action, you're not just like absolutely shaking in your boots. So I, I think that he can be a player who finishes offensively um, and, and caps off plays and then defensively holds his own. Uh, and he has a little bit of creating shops for, uh, you know, for himself, but I don't think that that will necessarily be 
where he butters his bread in the NBA. Uh, but I think that he runs the floor in exceptionally well in transition. Um, and he just understands floor spacing, which is a huge uh, eye popper in college, especially because most players don't. Uh, that's why spacing is so bad in college. Uh, but he understands how to find windows and avenues for himself. He understands uh, how, how to move his body to get others open as an off-ball weapon. And those are all characteristics that you want uh, in Oklahoma City. So I think that Furphy would be a guy, uh, that, especially with the way that I think it'll trend up um, as, as the draft gets closer. I think that with that Utah pick, uh, if it conveys uh, that he'll be a real guy that you want to take a look at in this draft. Uh, let's talk about All-Star Weekend. Again, God willing, uh, I will be there as we get on the road again and uh, head to Indiana. By the time I get to Indiana, she'll be rising. It's actually Phoenix. It's a great song, by the way, by Glenn Campbell. Check it out. Um, Friday, Rising Stars. Here's what's going on. The Thunder have so many people uh, you know, competing. Uh, rising Stars, Paolo, Chet, Kaysen. Uh, it's broken up into four teams. Uh, you have Chet and, and uh, did I say Paolo? You have Chet, J-Dub, and Kaysen. Uh, Ch- Chet and J-Dub are on the same team with Team Jalen Rose. Kaysen Wallace uh, is on a separate team from them, so they're going to go up against uh, each other a little bit. Kaysen Wallace is actually on Team Pow, who won the um, Rising Stars Challenge Team Pow that last year, looking to repeat this year. Uh, so it'll be fun to see those two guys match up. You know, those three guys match up on different teams. Those two teams go together um, in the Rising Stars Challenge. And when you got two of the four teams with a Thunder representation on it, pretty good chance that you're going to see them and see at least one of the two teams in the uh, championship game, and hopefully. For their sake, someone brings home hardware from the Rising Stars game. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, the, the All-Star Weekend is more relaxed, and I think these Thunder players can really thrive in that aspect um, as just their personalities can shine through. Uh, Kaysen and J-Dub and Chet uh, at Rising Stars practice and media avail uh, to talk in post-game, and I think they'll all stay for the length of the weekend because the Thunder participation is not going to be done on Friday. They're going to have on Sunday uh, Kanthi Johnson in the G League Next Up game. Uh, it's also formatted the same way where it's four teams and it's a tournament style. Uh, Keontae Johnson is on Team uh, LSK, uh, a lot different than Team LSD. Uh, but if you want to join Team LSD, uh, I don't know where to look for you. Actually, I think I might know how to look for you. It might be in the Grateful Dead concert parking lot, but I digress. Keontae Johnson on Team LSK, a YouTuber from Too Hype. Uh, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun to watch him. Darius Baisley is also in the G League Next Up game. Uh, he'll be on team strictly. I don't really know anything about strictly. I know that Chris London is a YouTuber. So I, I kind of knew him from two hype. I don't know, uh, anything about strictly. It looks like it's a duo. Um, ball is life and EYL have a team as well, uh, who have other G leaguers represented there. I still think that the next up G league game will be awesome to watch. Cause I think that if you do give it a shot, you're going to see a lot of very talented players out there that might surprise you of guys who you want to follow along with uh, and see. I think that a lot of these guys have the chance to hit, and a lot of these guys like Anthony Johnson, uh, you you could be you know hearing about sooner than later at the NBA level. And then of course you have SGA at the All Star game. Uh, look, he played like a total of eight seconds in the All Star game his first go around. Now it's year two. Now he's a starter. How, what will he look like? How will he produce? A lot of people question if his game will you know, translate to the all-star game format. It's this mid-range rim score. Um, you know, we'll see. What I'm looking for the most is like, you know, is there is there a little moment between him and Ant? Is there, you know, you remember the moment between uh, Russ and KD at the all-star game and everything. Uh, is there a moment between him and Ant where like after all this beef, 
after all the you know side swipes at each other is there kind of a come to jesus moment there not that there needs to be but like just what is that interaction like and you're more so looking for those kind of storylines than anything else. And then also our Saturday night's going to be fun. You have Sabrina and Steph going in a three-point contest. Obviously, you wish that Isaiah Joe would have been able to make the three-point contest over uh, Beasley, but oh well. Uh, you know, sucks for Isaiah Joe, but I think that Saturday night will still be fun. And overall, just All-Star Weekend is a very much uh, good time, good vibe type of weekend. Um, these guys are really, um, you know, of course, don't play defense in the All-Star game, whatever, whatever. But they do take the weekend itself pretty seriously again they, they are very gracious with their time and um open up more in those press settings so it, it creates a lot of fun storylines and a lot of fun uh answers and reveals a lot about players at all-star weekend so stay tuned for that as we will have it on lockdown thunder youtube we'll have it on twitter at ryland underscore styles we're gonna have it on inside the thunder.com so stay tuned to all those platforms as well and until next time be good and be good to one another <laughs>